Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Cyber and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. We're here today with the Passion and Purpose podcast. My name is Drew Stedman here with Jimmy Seibert. Hi, Drew. Hi, Jimmy. Good to be back. (laughs) And we're in the middle of the 40 days of purpose for those of you who are tracking with us here at Antioch Waco. And last week, Jimmy and I had a great conversation introducing the concept of the hierarchy of loyalties. And it was so good that we're going to go back through it and take these different concepts one by one and use that as a point of discussion. So, Jimmy, for those who missed last week, uh, review for us what are the hierarchy of loyalties? And then why don't you take yeah. us into our topic today? Yeah, well, you know, the um, the reality is that all of us have affections and we place our affections somewhere every day. Uh, sometimes we think of loyalties and that could be like being loyal to a friend, being faithful, and it definitely means that. But it also means a bit of a, a if the reason I use the hierarchy, it's where do I go first mm-hmm. with my heart? And then right. how do I trickle that down into my uh, vocation or my particular uh, calling at the time? And um, and so going back through the hierarchy of loyalties, for the believer, eternity is your highest loyalty. It's where you're going to spend eternity. There it is, yes. And so I want to have my mind and my heart and affection set on my heavenly home. Paul called himself a citizen of heaven. And um, he yearned and longed for heaven. And we're going to talk about that a lot today, so I'll go on to the next one. And that is uh, my loyalty to God himself. God is a person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is with us. I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the next one is unique, because not everybody thinks about it, but is my loyalty to the Word of God, that my affections or uh, my desires are subservient uh, to the authority of God's Word. And so when I line out my mindset for the day, I'm saying I am an eternal uh, being committed to an eternal God. I serve God himself and love him and I'm attached to him. His word is my guide and my lead. It's, it's, I'm loyal to the word of God. Then uh, next is uh, my commitment to the church or the body of Christ. And a lot of times people would say families first, but Jesus said there comes a point in your decision-making where you may have to leave mother, father, or brother, or sister to follow him and the kingdom. And so his family in, his, in this hierarchy of loyalties and our biblical loyalties is uh, preeminent, which is so interesting, right, because so many times we are disheartened with the church or our experience with the church. And we think, how can that be a loyalty to something that's so imperfect? Well, remember, our loyalty is to the head of the church and to his expression and desire for the church, not to the perfection of the church. And we'll talk more about that in some future podcasts. Uh, then my next loyalty is to family itself, my covenant, the covenant of marriage, the commitment to brothers and sisters, the commitment to uh, my birth uh, community and extended family. Uh, and then the next loyalty is the calling that I have. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And that word nations meet ethnos, which is a unique culture, um, a, a unique language, a unique people. But you could extrapolate that all the way out that uh, I am 
called to go make disciples to all business people because I am one of those, or I'm called to make disciples to all ho- uh, hockey players because I am one of those as a, as a hobby. You can take down that ethnos, common culture, common language, common context, and really say, whatever God has called me to do, I'm a disciple maker in it. So my loyalty is to be a disciple maker, to be a witness for Jesus. And then lastly uh, is we are committed to the nation that God has called us to, not as a first loyalty, but as a byproduct, as a first a citizen of heaven, an ambassador of God. Now I serve that nation that God's called me to pray for her, to um, uh, submit to the laws of the land, to contribute, to be salt and light, to be the best citizens that could possibly be. And where there's a place of brokenness in that nation, I pray for it, I contend for good for it, try to help solve the problem. But even if it comes to a place where I have to obey God rather than man, let's say I live in a very difficult uh, nation of the world, Uh, you could say if I live in Saudi Arabia and there's Muslim laws that are contrary to the law of God, and I feel like I have to break the law to honor God, well, we also do that in a nonviolent way, and it it has consequences to it. Throughout the New Testament, people suffered much to honor God when they weren't able to honor the authority, but they always prayed for their authority, evil or good, and served that nation and contended for it even as a part of their calling. So a lot of heady stuff there, a lot of big stuff, but today let's let's just talk about eternity a little bit. You and I talked about it ahead of time, so help me out. Draw out eternity as our first loyalty or affection. Jimmy, in our conversation earlier, you brought up worship as a starting point, and I'd love to hear what you mean by that. Yeah, well, um, one of the things about eternity, you know, it says uh, in Scripture um, that Jesus has given us eternal life, and that life is in his Son. So eternal life is not just what we're waiting for, it what begins at salvation. So when I get saved, the heavens open because of the blood of Jesus and my ascent and honor of the blood of Jesus to cover me from my sin, it says the throne of grace is wide open to receive mercy and help in my time of need. But in that throne room in the scripture, we see it's a place of worship. It's a place where uh, they're uh, they're expressing all glory to God and honor and praise and and this exaltation of Jesus in our heart and our mind. And it's not a closed heaven because the veil's been torn. So eternity began at salvation and I'm experiencing eternal life right now. And therefore I'm a worshiper of God right now as we're sharing his word, talking about his nature and character. We are worshiping him. And uh, morning by morning, I have that beautiful experience of seeing the throne room wide open, of realizing that by faith, I'm standing before the throne of God, and I'm singing, worthy are you, holy, holy, holy. I'm bowing down before him. And eternity uh, and the worship of eternity is not just the kind of the expression of my life to honor God, but it is a literal by faith experience experience in the presence of God. And when I when we see that rightly, we begin our day with the exaltation of God himself because we not only um, uh, not only just because he's worthy and it's what's already been declared declared by God, but it's also what we're made for. And I think that's the key deal, right? right. If I am made for worship and I'm going to be doing it through all eternity and eternal life has been made, there's been a, made a way for me to experience now that I need to go for it. 
Uh, I think sometimes people say, well, you know, I just don't get into singing, or I just don't get into worship, or I say, well, hey, read the Psalms that talk about the exaltation of God and let the Word of God bring eternity into your reality. Let your heart be lifted. Read uh, Revelation 4, Revelation 5, Revelation 7. Kind of let the throne room become a part of your initial affection connection, uh, and it sets eternity in your heart through worship. Yeah, that's great. I've been thinking about a lot, you know, even as we talk about worship, it's us experiencing God. Yeah. It's, you know, it's easy to say, but you just think yeah. about the reality of that. It's, it's wild. And it, you know, yeah. of course, singing and praise unlocks that. But really what we're talking about is for all of eternity, we're going to be walking in perfect union with God mm. and experiencing him. And, yes. you know, I, I hope and pray everyone listening has had at least some experience. And if not, in Jesus' name, let it happen, where yeah. you're worshiping and you just feel caught up, and, and it's yes. almost like time stops, and yeah. it's just this little taste of what eternity is going to be. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that you put that first, because that that's ultimately our hope, that's our future, mm-hmm. and we get to experience that now. Yeah. Now, now that's not the only part of, of living in light of eternity. And mm-hmm. so take us to the side of it, of just the, the recognition that our life today has consequence in light of eternity. Yeah, well, I, I shared last week um, that I have on uh, my whiteboard in the area where I pray, I've got a number up there and it's uh, 2,000, uh, uh, 2,920. And what that is, is 365 days times 80 years. Because I felt like years ago, God spoke to me and said, I want you to prepare to be 80 years old. Now, if I die between now and the time you hear this, no worries, I'm with Jesus. All is good. <laughs> Thanks for that disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little disclaimer. <laughs> Thank you. But you got to prepare for something, right? And so that is, that is the number of days that I feel that God has promised, okay? So, I, so uh, then I have the second number is how many days I've already spent. And the third number is what I've got left. So I have 8,774 today, uh, days left. I've already spent over 20,000. And so what that does for me is make me aware uh, that now matters. Mm-hmm. So I, right. I, I'll give an example. The other night I was um, uh, at a party for a friend. There were a lot of people there, and there was a new guy that I – didn't know, and he really wanted to engage in conversation, and and uh, and I, I, my feet were burning, my legs were aching. I just wanted to go sit down and, you know, just drink some water, have a snack, and really not be that sociable. But I could tell he was a young, hungry guy that just needed a question answered. He just needed something a little bit more, and so I'm sitting there in pain, and I'm thinking my physical pain, and I'm just thinking it doesn't matter. And in light of eternity, this one moment could turn something for him forever. Because everybody is about one question away from a breakthrough. Right. And so I had a great moment with this young guy, was able to pray over him. I would suspect that he's still thinking about it all week. So it was eternity that drove me, not the temporal satisfaction of helping somebody or the affirmation of somebody. It was this sense of eternity, and I've got tonight. I got this young man that uh, is hungry and needs a little help. Why don't I do that? I think that that also comes into play when sharing the gospel. You know, if I'm if I'm uh, with somebody and and I think and I think, hey, you ought to share your testimony or share the gospel. That's probably not the devil telling me to do it. You know, <laughs> he'll say, "Golly, I don't know what it's to great, do. What should I great share?" Theological or not, you know? awareness there, Jimmy. That's, and, uh, uh, and the great thing that takes the heat off of you with sharing the gospel, you always say, "Hey, this may seem weird, but can I just share a story about how God's yeah. changed my life?" You just just share your story, right? 
And I've never regretted sharing the gospel. Mm. And when the light turns on, it's just like, wow, there's eternity again. That, that in a moment, somebody can go from darkness to light, or a seed can be planted that's eternal. That, you know, so many people have a testimony of, hey, somebody share with me when I was five, somebody share with me when I was 10, somebody share when I was 15, and you're that fourth person or that 10th person that shared, and it all just made sense. So we're planting seeds for eternity. That motivates me in evangelism. It motivates me on kind of going, uh, um, putting in the extra effort to love somebody uh, or care for somebody. And then I also think about, in, in light of eternity, I think about not wasting my life on frivolous things. When I'm wanting to choose lesser things, like, man, I just want to veg out. And there's legal vegging and illegal vegging, right? So what I mean is, hey, want to watch a ball game? To me, that's legal, right? And at times, enjoyable. Amen. Especially for Drew and the Kansas City Chiefs. But Amen. other than that, uh, which actually I'm rooting for Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl, but I'm just sorry to say that. But anyway, okay. We'll see who's but, laughing but, in two weeks. Yes, exactly. But here we go. Let's get down to eternity. And, um, and so the bottom line with all that is it allows me to make better choices of my time, my energy, my affections. And when I find myself going for sin or lesser affections, it sure helps if I have eternity in my mindset. It really helps keep me free. That's great. Yeah, yeah and it's interesting how those two go together. As we encounter God, mm-hmm. it motivates us to live in light of eternity. And as we live in light of eternity, it allows us to encounter God in yeah, fresh exactly. ways. And it becomes this, exactly. this amazing cycle that, man, let it be. Yeah. And so there's this, this other reality of, um, you know, what, what happens in this world and the way we live our lives, mm-hmm. there is an accounting for it in eternity. And obviously that, yeah. that comes in the final judgment of those who are in Christ and those who aren't. But right. we've talked a lot about just the rewards, the reality sure. of giving account to God for the way we lived yeah. our life, even under grace. And how does that yeah. motivate you? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to do this in about three minutes, the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne. You ready? Okay. I, I am so, absolutely ready. This is a so, – let's get a timer. Every person that dies will meet Jesus face to face. Whether you knew him or you didn't, you will come before the judgment seat of Christ. For those who do not know Jesus, it's called the great white throne. You can Google this and look it up from the book of Revelations. For those who do know Jesus, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And the beautiful thing about the judgment seat of Christ, it's not a place of condemnation or acceptance. You're accepted by the blood of Jesus. You made it. You're in. But I love how it's described by uh, a couple of theologians. It's kind of like first, second, or third place at the uh, at the award ceremony. Hey, you're in, and now you will be assessed by how you lived your life. And there, there is definitely a honor. And uh, you know, Jesus, uh, we talk about crowns and jewels. First Corinthians three says, if you build on righteous things, if you build on the the God honoring side, there's treasure, gold, precious stones. But if you've sown your life in vain, you've just taken your salvation for granted and not honored God with what he has given, then it's wood, hay, and straw. And there's a lot of dramatic thoughts about that. But here's what I want to do just to calm everybody down a bit. In 1 Corinthians 3, when it talks about the judgment seat of Christ and what I said, that precious stones or wood, hay, and stubble of a wasted life, it says it's a place of reward or loss of reward. So I don't see life as condemnation or my good outweighing my bad because the blood of Jesus covers us and there's always forgiveness and there's always a new day. But I use it as a place of reward or loss of reward. Today, 
I want to sow to the kingdom so that I can reap from the kingdom, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And there's just, just a handful, just to whet your appetite a little bit around these thoughts, is that for bless the man who per- perseveres, for he shall receive the crown of life. When you persevere, there's a crown of life. It says that there's a crown for loving him. Yeah, there is a crown for the lovers of God. So when I choose to affectionately love God, there's going to be a reward for that, not just in this life, but in the life to come. There's what's called the soul winner's crowd. Wise is the one who wins souls, right? Uh, There is the discipline crown where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, I run in such a way that I will win. I discipline my body and buffet myself so that I may not be disqualified and finish the race. So finishing the race. Uh, honoring God has great reward. And we could go on and on giving the cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. Everything we do in the name of Jesus is rewarded on that day, even if it's not rewarded in this life. And for me, that's exciting because I'm not trying to prove anything to God. I'm not running for acceptance. I'm running from acceptance. Now, there's a lot of theology in that. But here's what I want to say to everybody is your life matters and everything you sown will never be taken away. Regardless of what you see in the now, when you share the gospel, when you love somebody, when you give a cup of cold water, when you turn the other cheek, when you forgive somebody, all those things that Jesus asks us to do, when we choose to do it his way instead of our way, there's a place of great reward for that on that day, that last day. Amen. Yeah, I've been meditating on the last part of Matthew 24, Matthew 25. You know, so many people, we talk about Matthew 24 and, oh, you know, what's going on in the world. But actually, Jesus tells multiple parables about what does it mean to live in light of eternity? The master coming home yeah, suddenly, the bridegroom absolutely. coming in. And I just think, what's that moment going to be like? How will I wish I'd live my life? Yeah. And, you know, regardless of when the Lord returns, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my late 30s, so I've got 50 years maybe. You sure. know? So yeah, he's yeah. returning for me. <laughs> I know that day is coming. Yeah. And, man, what does it mean to, to be aware of that day more than I am? Whatever is in front of me mm-hmm. today. So that's a, that's a challenging thought. Yeah. Uh, let's end on this, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of the beauty of, of heaven and yeah. our new heavens, new earth, what it means to live in eternity with Jesus forever. Yeah, you know, there's so many beautiful things. And in, in my favorite place on meditating on heaven itself is Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. And it paints that beautiful scene where um, there's no more tears, no more fears, no more pain. But the, the, the power of, of those two chapters is said there'll be no sun for God himself will be your light. So, so the beauty and the radiance of the glory of God will be greater than having a uh, the sun itself or the sunshine for the Son of God will be the radiance of the beauty of the glory of God. And that's a little out there at one level uh, because I do believe we'll see Jesus in his beauty and perfection as man and God. But that that idea of there's no need for the sun because the Son of God's there. And it's going to be better than. Uh, I love that there's this theologian named Paul Borthwick, and he talked about in his book, Six Dangerous Questions, he talked about the theology of heaven and do you really believe in heaven? And he used this illustration. He said, uh, my family and I had planned that our bucket list was to go to the Cayman Islands. And we were so looking forward to it. And we had never been. And we had planned for like four years. And it was coming up to it. It was 1991. And the Gulf War broke out. Gulf War number one broke out in the Middle East. And a lot of theologians were saying, is this Armageddon? Is this it? And everything else. And he said, I found myself 
praying, no, Lord, let us go to the Cayman Islands before <laughs> the end times. And he said, I paused for a minute, I thought, and I think the Cayman Islands is better than heaven? I'm a theologian, obviously I've missed heaven. <laughs> and and that's what I would, would encourage and admonish us, uh, admonish us. When I needed to get a hold of heaven, uh, I, I just spent literally months every day as a part of my devotional life reading Revelation 21 and 22 and making that my reality and my expectation uh, and my joy. I want to end with, though, probably for me, the most impactful scriptures on heaven that I'm meditating on right now, actually, in my own devotional time as a part of my first loyalty to eternity, uh, and then share one story to end. It starts in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, goes through verse 11, chapter 5, and here we go. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Boy, everything I sow in the unseen realm. Paul would say this, chapter 5, For we know if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I'm saved. I'm eternally. I'm an eternal being in the presence of God. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed while we were in this tent we groan, being burdened, being, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed so that what is mortal might be swallowed up by life. Amen. By his life. Now he prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us his spirit as a pledge, therefore being always of good courage. And knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent in the, from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore... Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are also made, made manifest to God. Amen. Woo! Man, that stirs me, that stirs me. One last story. I was in uh, Scotland on uh, in the late 1980s. We had been gone for two straight months without a day off. We had uh, seen incredible miracles. We had seen uh, a blind man see. We had... Uh, seen uh, people saved uh, in, in uh, that they thought the people said in the city couldn't be saved, you know, just drug uh, uh, people involved in drugs and in difficult situations. And so it had been too much, very difficult, but we'd seen a lot of fruit. I was really, really tired. And the morning before we left, I'm walking on this beach in northern Scotland, and I'm just saying, thank you, Lord. You know, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm tired, but you're worthy. You're worthy. And I'm just kind of worshiping he's worthy. And I hear this voice, and he speaks to me, and he says, well done, mm. well done, my good and faithful servant. And I just collapse on the beach, weeping and worshiping. And I just say, thank you, Lord. You're worthy. It's worth it. Mm. And, you know, the Bible describes that being kind of our last day, right? When we stand, we want that said of us. But God gave me just a little glimpse of the feeling of what, it hears, what it's like to hear his voice wow. and to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Eternity is our first affection because it's our eternal home, and it begins today.
Amen. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmycybert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time. <laughs>